Hey everybody, it's Leanne from the Alberta Motorcycle Safety Society and welcome to Think Bike, a podcast about all things motorcycle and the voice of motorcycle safety and awareness in Alberta. We will talk about everything from tips and myths on gear, maintenance, techniques, education, and so much more with our very informed guests. So thank you for joining us. On today's podcast, we're going to be discussing one of those maintenance topics with our special guest, Spencer Bevan from Riverside Honda and Skidoo. Welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me. Should I say again, it's not like you're a stranger to us. You helped us out on season one, so we figured we'd bring you back because you were very informative. Oh, well, thanks for the consideration. <laughs> uh, today, we are going to talk about all those things that we need to check before we get on our bikes, because a lot of people just hop on and ride, especially if your motorcycle's been sitting for a week, if you're, you know, get out more on the weekends or whatever. Let's talk about what would be some of the bare minimum things to look at on your bike before you take it out after it's been sitting for a day or two or even every day you go out? Sure. Yeah. Well, there's a few really easy things that only take a second to check. Um, first and foremost, I would check and make sure all of your lights are working because that's uh, what helps people see you on the road. And, you know, being bikes were a little harder to spot than a full size car. Um, uh, make sure your horn's working so you can, you know, if someone starts encroaching on your lane, you can kind of let them know you're there. Um, oh, you mean not loud pipes, just your horn that works? Uh, loud pipes work too. <laughs> um, you know, sometimes even better, honestly. So, <laughs> well, we'll stick with the horn. Okay, so yeah, legally speaking, let's say the horn. Um, and uh, next, I would say uh, your tires are probably next most important after that um, because, uh, like we talked about on our preseason last time, that's pretty much the only thing that's connecting you to the road, and we don't have the uh, two other backups like the four wheel cars do. Um, so you want to make sure those are in tip top shape and aren't going to blow out on you on the highway or uh, cause you any other kind of grief. Um, your fuel level, you want to check that, make sure you don't get stranded halfway to your destination. Um, your have you ever done up. that? Sorry. Oh, oh, absolutely. I've had to, uh, push my, uh, I used to have an old CB 450. That was like an 84. So not a light bike at all. And, uh, I ran out of gas about, uh, six blocks from a gas station and had to scooter it down. Oh. So that's no fun. I've had the <laughs> switch to reserve on the middle of the highway, not knowing how far Andrew Alberta was away from where we were going. Are we going to make it? <laughs> yeah. It gets pretty good times. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then yeah, your ignition and kill switch. So, uh, you know, if your ignition doesn't work, you're not even going to get out of your grass. So that one is kind of a given. Um, but the kill switch, you're going to want to make sure that works just in case the bike tips and the key isn't accessible or something along those lines. Um, also your, uh, throttle action, you want to make sure it's nice and smooth with no binding in any spots or sticking. Cause you don't want that involuntary cruise control kicking in when you're, you know, right behind a semi truck or something like that. Um, also your, uh, brake feel for your front and rear brakes. And this goes for whether you have hydraulic or cable brakes. Um, you want to make sure it has like a nice smooth, positive, uh, feel it pushes back in your hand and, you know, uh, you want to make sure that it's not spongy and it's not ramping up the more you pump it. Cause that would indicate that you have air in your brake lines and you need to bleed them. Just a quick one on like levers, since you mm -hmm. brought up that one, some bikes have adjustable levers. So. Would it be a good idea for people to make sure that their levers are still on the spots that they should be on? Like I've got Triumph has a standard four position on the levers. Yeah. And like uh, the adjustable levers, uh, as long as, uh, what, however far out you like to have them, as long as you're able to fully apply the brakes without contacting your bar or your other fingers, if you do two finger braking like myself, 
um, or, or clutching. Um, but, uh, yeah, you want to make sure that, uh, they're adjusted to where you normally would have them. And, you know, they have a nice comfortable feel so you don't have to take your grip off the bar to reach past, you know, where your hand would normally be resting. Um, and, uh, you're also going to want to be checking out, um, your chain and drive belt condition on uh, chain or belt, uh, bikes. Um, cause if those fly off on the highway, they can pile up against your case, you know, at best it'll kind of, you know, just ruin your ride at worst, you know, you know, punch a hole in your motor, um, lock up the rear wheel, even if the chain piles up on the rear sprocket, um, and, you know, just no good that can come from that. Really. None of that sounds like fun at all. No, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, even on the shaft drive bikes, um, they're way less maintenance in test, uh, intensive than uh, chain and belt bikes. But uh, with shaft drive bikes, you want to check them every now and then, make sure the U-joint is good and there's no slop in it. Um, you want to make sure uh, you don't have too much backlash in the rear diff on those uh, 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 drive shaft uh, driven bikes. Um, but yeah, like, like I said, those ones are a lot less maintenance intensive. So usually as long as you're keeping up with the oil changes, you're good. So the chain though, um, usually cause all of my bikes have chains, there's a little bit of movement you want in there. Mm -hmm. They say it's like, what about an inch of movement up uh, and down? Yeah. 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 It kind of depends on the style of bike, but an inch is kind of like a good, uh, a good, um, rule of thumb. I think a lot of the Honda bikes, their spec is like 30 millimeter or something like that. Cause too tight's um, not good. And obviously too loose is not good. Yeah. Like, you know, too loose, you kind of run similar risks to if your chain comes apart where it can hop off the sprocket and pile up. Um, if it's too tight though, um, it will actually restrict some of the suspension travel cause, um, as your rear string arm goes through its travel, um, the chain, it, like it's not going to be the same distance from sprocket to sprocket all throughout its travel, right? Because the swing arm pivot and the front sprocket are at two different positions. So generally speaking for most bikes, um, as it compresses, as your rear suspension compresses, uh, the chain is actually going to slack up a little bit. Um, so you want to make sure that, um, at full extension. So like if your bike was up on a stand or something like that, uh, you still have a little bit of slack there cause you don't want it binding once you're at full extension of your suspension. Yeah. Cause anytime that I've ever had somebody help me with checking my chain, I've always stood up my bike and sat on it. And that mm -hmm. seems to put the chain in a different position. You, yeah. So like you, you would actually see, um, like if you adjusted it while you were sitting on it. Um, unless that's how you're used to adjusting it. So, you know, to account for this, mm -hmm. you would actually be taking out more slack than necessary by adjusting it with the suspension compressed because then when, when it's at full extension, there will actually be a little bit more tension on that chain than there normally would be. Yeah. I normally do it myself on the side stand. So yeah. Yeah. That's, that's the way to go in my books for sure. And then bearings and linkages. Yeah, you bet. Um, these ones, um, I don't, Personally, check these ones every single ride because bearings and linkages generally wear out very slowly over time. But it's kind of one of those things that you want to check, you know, at the start of your season and, you know, maybe halfway through or something like that. Um, but you want to check your wheel bearings, make sure your wheels aren't wobbling around on your front to rear axle, uh, your steering head bearings. Uh, you can kind of hold your front tire between your legs and uh, twist your bars around and look for any movement where the steering post goes up through the front of your frame. Um, your swing arm pivot bearing as well is kind of a similar, uh, urgency to like the wheel axles there where you don't want any kind of play on the bolts that your swing arm pivots on, um, your forks as well. Um, if you have like uh, front forks on your bike, uh, you can test these in a similar way to testing a steering head bearing where you kind of support it, uh, the front wheel with your legs and kind of twist the handlebars back and forth and put your hands on the fork tubes and see if you can feel any movement between the inner and outer tubes. 
And then um, also related to uh, suspension, your rear shock you're gonna, and linkage, if you have a linkage type suspension, you're gonna wanna make sure that's all nice and tight. Um, you can't move the mounting bolts around at all or uh, your spring isn't just like loose on the shock body. You wanna make sure that's all tight and good to go. Perfect. So just to recap that really quick, we've got lights, horn, tires, fuel, ignition, throttle, brake field, chain belt, and bearings at least a couple times a season. Now, going back to the ignition and kill switch, if you're like me and you have a really good friend who comes and picks up one of your bikes to do some maintenance on it for you and brings it back and he's a kill switch person and you're freaking out when you can't start your bike the next time you get on it, not necessarily an ignition problem, flip your kill switch so your bike can turn on. That was a panic day. Yeah, that happens to more people than they would like to admit. So. <laughs> or you have those friends who ride up beside you and hit your kill switch and ride off. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Those are the winners, yeah. All the fun and <laughs> games that we have with, with our community. So with that, those are all great, but there's a lot of things that tend to get overlooked. And, mm-hmm. you know, those are kind of really important. So let's kind of touch into those. And let's start with oil because people there's always that argument of how often you should change your oil, but your oil level can change in between your oil changes without you knowing, which could lead to a problem. Yeah, exactly. So, um, like, yeah, like you said, that, that was putting it perfectly. A lot of people only think about their oil level when it's time to do an oil change and they actually pull the dipstick out. Um, but you want to be checking this, um, maybe not necessarily every ride, but I would say fairly often, like every other ride or every three rides or something like that. Because, you know, if something's wrong with the motor, sometimes it can happen, it can lose oil pretty quickly, whether that's through a leak or through burning it off or something like that. Um, But you want to check that because that, you know, low uh, low oil or no oil in extreme cases can lead to your engine seizing, which, you know, a seized motor when you're going 120k down the highway isn't exactly uh, what you want because that just locks up your rear tire like you just ripped an e-brake on a car and it's not really uh, that fun. That doesn't sound fun at all. No. Now, my bikes have sight glasses. Is that good enough or should be should I be checking on the dipstick as well? Um, the sight, If your bike has a sight glass, and especially if it's a sight glass where it actually has the level marker and it's not just telling you whether or not there is oil in the motor, um, if it actually has a level marker on there, that's good enough. Like on, on my dual sport, I've got one of those and you usually kind of stand off to the side and you can see it's right at the same arrow that you left it at. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's good enough because, you know, that, that's functionally identical to using a dipstick. But uh, yeah, if it's not a sight glass that shows the level and it's just one, you know, at the very bottom of the crankcase or something like that, that just shows you if there's oil in there, you still want to be checking your level for sure. Okay, perfect. Now, Air filters are, of course, I removed mine from one of my bikes, but the two I have now mm-hmm. both have it. But those, again, are things that people don't think of. Yeah, well, and especially with a lot of street bikes, especially nowadays, they're getting uh, they're getting harder and harder to access with how tight the packaging is on a lot of modern motorcycles. Um, like, you know, for example, on like the larger touring bikes, like a Goldwing or something like that, that's like a, you know, a couple hour job easy just to get it to just to get out your air filter, right? Um, so it's not something that you're going to be checking every time for a lot of bikes. Um, but you know, it's kind of one of those same things where it's, you know, start of the season, you know, maybe a month in, um, and like um, every month or so, maybe. It's probably a good thing to check when, like I know on vehicles, you check your filters and stuff when you change your oil. So at Mm. least kind of at that minimum, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, That would be a good interval for it. It's kind of like when you're doing your oil change while it's draining, just kind of go over and check everything that you can for sure. And then eye protection stuff, or some people ride with a windshield. 
Yeah, um, this one gets overlooked a lot because you, when you're sitting in the shade of your garage, it's kind of tough to see. But uh, if you've got like especially a larger windshield where you're actually looking through the glass and not just like a small deflector where you're looking over it. Um, but if there's, you know, if it gets uh, roughed up or dirty or anything like that, when you get direct sunlight on there, it basically turns into just a white sheet that you can't see through, right? So you want to make sure it's nice and polished and clean. And uh, if you're in like full sun, you're not just going to be kind of looking through a cloud or trying to figure out what's in front of you. Yeah, you kind of need to see where you're going. That <laughs> yeah, is the whole point cool. of riding a bike. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. But then on top of that, for the people like myself who don't necessarily ride with windshields, we've got like mm -hmm. my visor. Sometimes I've had to replace it on my full face because it gets scratched up. So same kind of thing, right? Yeah. Yeah. So same principles, like especially with visors, you know, if uh, if it's raining, sometimes you're like wipe, uh, just from wiping your visor with your gloves. Sometimes, you know, do that for a full season and sometimes it'll even be cloudy by the end of that if you're wiping it with your glove and stuff like that. Um, so you want to be checking like the condition of the lenses in your goggles or your sunglasses or the visors or whatever kind of eye protection you're using, really. Does Riverside have those handy little squeegee things you can put on your gloves that act like a windshield wiper for your visor? Uh, I believe there are some models of gloves that have that kind of uh, like stitched into the forefinger. And those are pretty darn handy. I actually use those more so in the winter, but definitely in the rainy season, too, they'd be handy. Yeah, I, I think one of my friends at one point had like detachable ones that, you know, they're just kind of slide onto your oh. glove. We should probably look into that at Riverside and see yeah, if we can yeah, get we, some yeah, in. Those, I'm thinking, for sure. <laughs> They'd sell. Um, so that's that, those are great things that we kind of overlook sometimes. But really, in the grand scheme of things, why is a pre-ride check important? Why is it so important to not just jump on and go? Yeah, like, you know, as much as our uh, uh, instant gratification impulses would want us to just hop on our bike and take off and have fun, um, you know, we are a lot more exposed and in danger of, uh, you know, elemental effects and mechanical breakdowns than people in cars. Because, you know, uh, like uh, some bikes nowadays have airbags, but by and large, we don't really have airbags. Um, we don't have, you know, a giant roll cage around us protecting us or, you know, seat belts or that kind of thing. So you basically want to be doing like everything in your power to make sure things go sideways that you've checked all the boxes and you're able to get out of that scenario as best as possible. No. And, and that's perfect. So that's mm -hmm. kind of, you know, our tips about what to do on pre-ride checks. Now, just back to you as, as an employee at Riverside, mm -hmm. I understand last year you were on our podcast and on our, on our launch as a parts technician and you have yeah. changed positions. So if somebody comes in to see you, they're not going to see you at that counter <laughs> anymore. Where are they finding you now? Uh, they're actually going to be finding me in the shop. I just, uh, signed on for my mechanics apprenticeship, uh, this past year. So, uh, I got, I got my parts tickets and, uh, you know, I had a good time there, but I kind of wanted to try something a little fresh, uh, maybe get a little bit more into the nitty gritty mechanical stuff. So I'm not just theorizing about it all day long. Um, but, uh, yeah, I've been working in the back for, um, about eight months now or so and, uh, learning a lot and having a really good time. That is so exciting. I was so happy to hear that kind of progression for you in your career. Mm -hmm. And I think you're going to do really good back there because your head is just wrapped around everything motorcycle already. So it's a good fit. Thank you, Thank you very much. You're very welcome. And once again, this is uh, Spencer Bevan from Riverside Honda and Skidoo, one of our longstanding corporate sponsors and always willing to help out with everything. Thank you again for all that great information about pre-ride safety checks. 
To make sure that you don't miss out on any of our upcoming podcasts or to listen to previous ones, make sure you click or subscribe wherever you get your, your podcast ear candy from. If there's a topic that you'd like us to cover or a guest that you think would be great on the show, let us know. How? Well, you can follow us on any of the socials or reach out to us through our website at ab-amss.org. Always remember to ride smart, ride safe, and think bike. We'll see you on the road.